0: Well hello once again everyone and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. It's a great privilege to be able to greet our Saints Network family in so many places around the world and particularly my own very dear congregation here in the Dallas area and those of you who are also part of this congregation and other parts of uh, the listening audience. I trust that you're doing well and that you are experiencing the the urgency of the Holy Spirit regarding what is coming. Uh, Increasingly, I have felt this. I said urgency a minute ago but the urgency of the spirit to prepare to prepare things not just to go out and minister because if the truth is told um that that just that's usually an easy thing to do I mean you you know where the lord has opened the door for you to go you pray you sense what god wants you to share and then you go and do it that that's that's a blessing but the urgency of preparation is in regard to what is going to be needed when the next phase of what god is doing in the work of the saints will be revealed and what is that phase well you know we came up to it before the covid restrictions came and rest- and really hindered our ability to travel overseas we 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 knew that God had brought us to the brink of several amazing um, points of ministry that would have been expansive to say the least in various parts of the world we had them planned we had We had um, a lot of things going on, and then this stoppage came. Now, we could reflect prayerfully on exactly why that happened, because it touched the whole world. And there are many factors uh, in reflection of the things we've all been through as to why in the bigger scale of the divine timetable this happened, I happen to believe that it was a a twofold measure, which is very much like what happens regularly in the scripture and is certainly the way God often moves, where God is going to do a thing, and it it's brought up to the point of debut. And then the enemy will come in one way, whether it's through an unclean spirit, which is a spirit that tries to block. That's what the, that's what the term in the Greek means. I mean, it, it is used in our medical terminologies now to speak of blockage. And, you know, I was reading a book recently that said unclean means that it's mixed improperly. Well... I think that definition is mixed improperly because the the word is what it is. But the enemy will try to stop what God wants. And God, God regularly allows that. This isn't a discussion on unclean spirits or those tactics of the enemy, but it happens over and over again in the scripture. And I think that it's God's sense of fairness in warfare so that the enemy will never be able to say, You took advantage and you you came by your victory in a way where I didn't have a chance. And secondly, it tests us. It tests our patience. It tests our resolve. It tests our trust in the fact that God is in control. And so I think that we came hurtling up to a great point of breakthrough and then the stops were put on it throughout the world. And so we've had to reflect and we've had to wait. And I, I've seen God's hand so powerfully over this past year. And um, it's, it's in the subtle things, but the very deep things, deep, very deep ways God's been moving. And we as saints need to begin to savor those divine moments because they are precious in our journey with God. That plate, that table set before us can be viewed in one of three ways. First of all, you can think, God's not anywhere near this. This is just the way things go. We're humanistic in our viewpoints. Que sera, sera whatever will be, will be. And that's, that's ridiculous. That's like punting on first down. Second could be, you see this challenging moment, and there's a hunger there, but through iniquity or through um, immaturity, you view it wrongly, and you just fling yourself into despair, and you miss the moment. You miss the moment of some of the deepest communes with God you will ever have. And of course, then the third way is to recognize some of us, a little bit Slower on the on the draw to recognize that God is doing something here. The enemy may be trying something. It may be cataclysmic around the world. It may be uh, it may be terrible for many people who have lost loved ones or lost businesses and the unrest that's there. You see the enemy throwing all of those things nationally and internationally onto the world scene over this past year. But God is in control. And God is doing something magnificent. So I believe that this message of the saints, this movement that is well prophesied in the eschatological scriptures um, is, is something that we have been entrusted with. I'm not saying we're the only ones, but we are entrusted with it. And I believe that God is saying some very strategic directives to us, if we hear them, and we have to prepare for what's going to happen as God reveals this work in an amazing way. And I believe part of what is going to be involved in that reveal is a preponderance of incredible miracles, healings, things that are not done in the typical way. Because I know the way churches work. I've been in the church all my life. Somebody to let me out. And I've seen how people just go gaga over healing ministries, and it becomes the be-all end-all. Jesus did not come. He came to teach. He came to make a way for us to be redeemed to the Father. He came to show us how God moves, and part of that is restoration. That's the essence, the restoration of our place in God, the restoration of His kingdom, the restoration of the purpose of God from the foundation of the earth, and the restoration of you as His vessel in your giftings, in your strengths, in your perspectives, and in your body, in your finances in the placement of how you function and operate. It's all about restoration, and that's the heart of the saints. And, you know, the church has, they're supposed to be the ecclesia that are the functioning governing body, but the church has always been reactive. What's the newest thing? What's the hip thing? Oh, you know, I've got to go over here because my biological clock is ticking and I feel God's leading me to this place where there are dozens and dozens of of viable suitors for me. I mean, I know, it, I know the way it works. I, I know the way it works. And it's very rare to find somebody who says, I am here for a short period of time and I am here to accomplish something that God has put me on this earth at this time to do. And as I seek that, God will provide everything that I need and the perfect thing. Uh, One thing that I've seen is that people that usually scamper about trying to get their needs met usually end up very discouraged. But that's that's another topic. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It doesn't say seek first all these things that I want and think I need and then righteousness and then the kingdom will come. See, cart before horse there so i believe as as i spoke this past sunday about how that jesus went about doing good and uh was anointed with the holy ghost and power and 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 power that um he uh he healed all who were oppressed of the devil and you know that those two those three factors being anointed with the holy ghost and power doing good when we talked about what that meant and really being an agent of dunamis and we see from that scripture that one of the things that the anointing of Jesus was supposed to do was to undo the way the enemy had quagmired the dunamis so we want to talk today about dunamis and this is an old topic for us i apologize to those of you who've not heard this teaching before it is it is expansive, but it's very clear what is the power of God? how is it communicated uh, but before I go into that i I know that God is preparing us for what we are to do when these things start happening, and people start noticing the message, noticing the calling how do we indoctrinate those folks with the understandings of scripture that are going to be necessary for them to function in the way God has called them to function. And that's why God has been speaking to us about various strategies of of bringing concepts to people that are new, basically, and to remind those who, who've sat through the teachings what they actually have learned. So um, I I know that we are functioning in the urgency of the spirit to prepare for that influx but one of the ways God is going to be using to draw people to the teaching and draw people to the function is the demonstration of power which is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was a teacher over and over again we see that jesus taught he taught he taught and very often he would work some kind of a god would work some kind of a miracle through him and then when he had everybody's attention or when they were there he would teach the objective was not on the healing or the miracle the objective was on the teaching and the release of what the Father was saying to those that were called to be sons. Does that make sense? See, we get that backwards. We think that we think that teaching is a be-all end-all, or healing is a be-all end-all, and it is the focus. And it is a good thing. It is part of the what God does. But the restoration in healing is for the purpose of mobilizing who that individual is supposed to be in the heart of God and how they're supposed to be serving him. I remember many years ago in the 70s, I loved to hear the teaching of of Brother Kenneth Hagin, and I listened to I don't know how many cassettes, Remember those? Any of you remember what a cassette tape is? <laughs> I remember when that used to be all the rage. When suddenly we went from reel to reel to actually cassettes. Wow, that's great. And um but he said he said that many of you are here seeking healing and he said the first thing I want to tell you is God's not going to heal you just so that you can get up quicker from your chair and change the television channel. Now that was back in the day before remote controls were really prominent and um, I used to be, I, I think any of us in, in my age group, the youngest kid always had to be the channel changer or the kid that adjusted the, uh, the rabbit ears on the television or adjusted the aluminum foil that was on those rabbit ears so you could get a better signal. Those were some unique days. I'm glad they're, glad they're gone. <laughs> but those were some unique days. But the purpose of the dunamis power of God is so that we function because that really is what dunamis is. Dunamis, from which we gain the word dynamite and dynamism and lots of other dinas. Uh, we think of it as being explosive. And it is, but but it's explosive in a way that is in line with what God uh, has ordained to do. Now we've studied this in the past. These teachings are available. We've looked at the power, the five power words in the in the New Testament, in their flow patterns that are repeated and that are very clearly seen in scripture and how those align with power words in the Old Testament. But what we see is that dunamis is significantly placed in this flow pattern. What God does from his throne that he commissions in the heavens, then he gives authority, exousia, and then dunamis flows out of that. And in, and then it touches the, the realm. Dunamis is always inherent with authority and the directive of the throne of God. And it does impact to spread the word, to spread whatever God is wanting to impart. That's what dunamis, that's the placement, that is the divinely spirit-led alignment of dunamis in the power progression in the scriptures. And so, with all of that being said, when dunamis happens, it's basically about function. It's basically about bringing things back into their rightful order so that they function, whether that is in an individual life, whether that is in a national strata, whether it's in the spirit realm, whether it's in your life and ministry. That's the objective of dunamis. It's not ex- it's not a fireworks display. It is a functional thing. So, I am not doing a nine-part series here uh, in this broadcast. But I did feel that the Lord wanted us to consider some scriptures, uh, some specific scriptures, where dunamis is used. Now, again, this past Sunday we spoke about how God anointed. Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil. And we talked about that oppressed of the devil, what that meant, because it's a derivative of dunamis. and how the enemy wants to block the flow of dunamis. The enemy wants to utilize whatever capacity for dunamis that you have and mobilize it for his own nefarious aims. So Jesus, when you overcome evil with good, when dunamis is functional in a person or in a place, that, that uh, untangles the web of the enemy. So let's look at some, these are well-known verses. We've taught on this before, but I believe many times we've written about it. But I, I believe that the Spirit is using this as a rhema for us today. The first one is in Luke 6. Now we have an outline for you. You can follow this. But there are many other verses where dunamis and other derivatives of dunamis are used. If you have the proper definition, the scriptural definition in mind, um, you read through those passages and it will revolutionize what the Spirit is saying to you through those scriptures. Um, we we as saints want to let the scripture interpret the scripture, how it's used in the scripture, and that's where we gain our definitions, or at least that's what we should. So, Luke six, verse nineteen. The whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue, dunamis. Out of him, and healed them all, brought them into function. That's incredible. Let's look at, then, in Luke eight, a very familiar passage. And a woman, having an issue of blood, twelve years, which had spent all her living upon a physician's, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody has touched me, for I perceive that dunamis is gone out of me. Now, that message about the woman with the issue of blood is wonderful, and we've talked about what it means to touch how it means to ignite a fire and how that's representative of the judgment and burning of the lord bringing things into alignment with what he what he intends but dunamis came through people touching jesus who touched me when i was a kid we would sing that chorus and when it first came out man it was great because we finally had something new to sing he touched me Oh, he touched me. And I'm thinking, how many times in the scripture did people touch him? He says, who touched me? <laughs> who touched me? And and it was about this woman hearing of Jesus or these people hearing of Jesus. She wanted the hem of his garment, which identified who he was and what his mission was. She believed, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. What you believed and what you did brought this. But virtue, dunamis, flowed into her body as it did to all those other people in Luke 6 that touched him. Now, for those of you who like to preach about the explosive, if do you know where we get that, what we use that word for? It's dynamite. It's explosive. Whoa! People go off on that. Well, this was so explosive with the woman with the issue of blood that had Jesus not turned around and said, somebody touched me, dunamis flowed out of me. Even the mighty men of faith and power surrounded him, said sarcastically, Lord, this whole throng, there's a throng. You know what a throng is. That's a whole peck of people. They're all around you, and you're saying, who touched me? So this was obviously so explosive that none of them heard it. None of them knew what in the world Jesus was talking about, but yet he spoke about dunamis flowing out from him. The most explosive dynamic of dunamis is indicated in the example of this woman that finally she was restored to function after many years of suffering with dysfunction that not only drained her physically but materially she was worse than she was at the beginning and somehow that dunamis power went through that little woman's hand into her body and she immediately knew she was well and Jesus turned around and said your faith what you have heard from God and acted upon that's what brought this restoration to you. That is dunamis and of all the other scriptures that you read there is this is one of the hallmarks and those other people that touched him they also received that. Now let's look at the next passage which is uh, an association with teaching, honor, and belief, and the rejection of dunamis. Mark six one. He went out from thence. I don't know where thence was, but obviously a city somewhere in Palestine. Just joking. And he came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, "From whence has this man these things?" What wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such dunamis works are wrought by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Man, oh man, Joseph and Mary were prolific after Jesus was born. And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them a prophet is not without honor but in his own country among his own kin and in his own house and he could there do no dunamis work save that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief and he went round about the villages teaching. Isn't that something? That always amazes me because of their unbelief. You know if people don't want to buy into God's plan. He's not going to force it on them. And if, if people don't want to function or hear from God, nothing's going to happen in them. And I, I see that even in regard to the saints' message. I see that even in regard to what it is that we're called to do you know there are those who say what kind of teaching is that well you know where are you getting this from you know who who are you you're not hip you're not doing what the cool kids are doing you know uh, you know wh- where's your where's your string of degrees behind your name you know you're you're conflicting with what we have taught traditionally and so it can't be true it just can't be true that's what jesus was facing here and because of that because of their lack of function in divine ways and because of their lack of belief, there was, there was very little dunamis that was going on. Some of these same people might have been at the place when Jesus was being tried amongst, first of all, the Jewish leaders. And in Luke 22, verse 69, it's one of those funny chapters in Scripture where you think, whoever was in charge for chapter breaks obviously fell asleep while this scribe was writing these down. Uh, because there are 60, there are more than six, there's well over 70 verses here in, uh, uh, the, anyway, one chapter. It's a, it's, a, it's a New Testament, Psalm 119. Jesus is there and they're saying, they're interrogating him. And he said, I'm not going to tell you whether I'm the Messiah because if I do, you're not going to believe me anyway. But he said, Hereafter, you're going to see the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the Dunamis of God. Did you ever consider that the Dunamis of God? is initiated, well maybe not initiated, is launched from that place at the right hand of the throne. The right in the Old Testament is the, the word aman for believe. The essence of communing with God at the right, at the prophetic right hand is where we gain our directives from God as sons when we pray. And there Jesus says, I'm gonna be sitting there You're going to see it, the function of the throne, in the way God intended it to be. God always wanted you and me to serve him. Now, we were created, um, I don't know how long after God began putting together his creation, but we weren't first on the block. We were always in his heart from the foundation of all things, but the, uh, the issue of what would happen at the right hand of the throne of God as opposed to the left hand of the throne of God, the right and the left are, are dynamic principles in Scripture, the right being prophetic where you begin your journey with the Father and then you walk through the fulfillment through obedience to the left, which is God's timely release. Of his will uh, how he fulfills that the church is largely left-handed we want it we want it now but God says I want you to partner with me it's about the journey with me it's not about the end result the end result is uh, not in question it's what is in question is whether you'll walk with me and whether you'll grow so the right hand of power the right hand of dunamis was what Jesus said he was giving himself to affirm. Restoring that place for sons in the walk of faith with God. Anyone who would believe on him would come. Not just Moses, not just Abraham, not just um, David. Anyone who would come to God through him. And we can all function We can all function before God in that progression from being babies to children to sons and heirs and joint heirs. But that function at the right hand, the dunamis at the right hand, was what God uh, was really bringing about through Jesus' sacrifice. Now, we know very clearly from the flow of the power words in the new testament that the divine author the holy spirit jesus the living word showed us we compare uh, spiritual things with spiritual in our study of the scriptures and we find that so we know that the the kratos power of god that dynamic power is there at the throne god has all power and all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth so the throne is that and the throne is where the plan is kept and released from so when jesus spoke about the 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 right hand of the dunamis of god it was really you know i'm i've come to restore mankind to this and restore what god originally wanted and so that right hand, that dunamis, yes, it's explosive. Yes, it blew out the enemy's uh, uh, obstructions, and it forevermore made this a uh, a fait accompli for God and for mankind. But that's why it's the dunamis there. And some would preach that and say, "There's power at the throne." Well, yes, there is, but it begins by partnership and many Christians don't realize that. One of the most egregious things that I hear taught and sometimes I'll hear people quote icons in the Christian world I'll hear them say this and I cringe that every Christian when we're born again we're born again with authority. We're born again with the potential of authority. We're born again with the prospect of authority. But authority, you, when you're faithful in the small things, you're made ruler over more things. And when you, um, you know, like the parable of the talents, which the progressive church has turned into an anti-capitalistic tripe, which is ridiculous. It's one of the most, it's one of the most bizarre twists of scripture I've ever heard. But the Bible says that the Lord is going away and he gives five, two, and one talents according to their several dunamis, according to the dunamis that's within them. And, and that means according to what they were supposed to be functioning in, what they had capacities and an ordaining to function in. And, um, and then when they're faithful, God promotes them. To greater work. So, yeah, we have the prospect of authority, but many in the church just think that because they're in the kingdom, they can do anything, you know? I, I'm a father of grown daughters, and I'm seeing our granddaughters grow, and I remember when my girls were little, I didn't give them just the run of the house to do whatever they wanted to do. From uh, as they were faithful, then they gained greater authority, and now they're mature women who are active in the business world and function wonderfully. But that was a progression. And these little ones that are just um, you know they're they're just nine years old now. I've watched them be given because of their faithfulness certain measures of of advancing authority, what they're responsible for. And so, dunamis is that, at the throne, is the initiation of what God intended for mankind to do with God, which is why Jesus is seated there as the Eternal Son, all all God, but he is that a demonstration of the heart of God, of the Trinity, wherein we learn to be sons and we partner with God. I'm grateful for that. But that's function. Not only was the plan unlocked because of Jesus' sacrifice, as people then could be redeemed to the Father, but our ability to move in dunamis was unlocked. And that is a wonderful thing. That is just a, a, a glorious thing. At the birth of the church, then, which was after this work had been done, Jesus at the right hand, in Acts 1 8, you shall receive dunamis after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now remember, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and dunamis. Remember? <laughs> How, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Why the Holy Ghost? Because that is one of the dimensions of the seven spirits wherein we partner with this restorative promise. That's what holiness is from its roots in the Old Testament. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a, a measure of purity or impurity. It is a passion for God's eternal purpose. So the Holy Ghost is there. And dunamis, that's how Jesus was anointed. And when when the day of Pentecost was coming, Jesus is prophesying here, you're going to receive dunamis, you're going to receive functionality as the ecclesia, as the church, on the birthday of the church at Pentecost. And the Holy Ghost will come on you and you will then become martyria, witnesses. And that doesn't just mean, brother, do you know Jesus? I've known people, and I'm just, hey, I'm just going to talk here. Bear with me now. Um, Speaking from the inside, being witnesses doesn't just mean you saying, do you know Jesus? Being witnesses is you adapting what God has called you to be and you dying to everything else so that you fulfill that. Men, see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I used to, I remember when I was a, I was a teenager, we, we used to go out in our youth group and pass out tracts and that's great, if that's your ministry, I bless it. And we said we were witnessing, which I guess we were in some ways. But I knew very well without being judgmental that some of the kids in that youth group really weren't even living for God. So is testifying just something you do or is it something you are? Well, if you're a martyr, you are. <laughs> it's not just, oh, I think I'll be a martyr today. Tomorrow, you know, we'll do something else. You now, if you're a martyr, you're, you're, sold, you're sold out. I mean, you're, you're in it you're not you're not quabbling you're not you're not vacillating and so you're going to receive you're going to receive dunamis function the holy ghost which we've just described will come on you and you'll be witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth that's pretty neat isn't it you're you're going to receive function and you're going to receive this commission, hopefully, to see God's plan and purpose restored in mankind and in the world. That we've just come through Pentecost weekend. That's what Pentecost was about. Tongues of fire. Fire represents beginning points. It rep- it really, the spirit of judgment and burning speaks about the the, uh, the alignment with what God has intended, the mishpat, and then the function of it, the fire of it. And that is the heat of it, the, the glory of it. So that's what the Holy Ghost and fire is, is you're actually seeing God cause you to, to manifest what you're called to be and to see that happen through you where God leads you. You know, there are so many of these verses. The Apostle Paul said that he was going to preach the cross, which, yes, is salvation, but it is also what we pick up and carry at the direction of the Father, and we establish it. It's a stake of ownership in the spiritual histemes. That's what God's Word says. And Paul says when we preach that, it's with power dunamis. It's not on your list there, but you can do this cross-reference. You can look at dunamis. It's easy to do. Everybody should know how to do that by now in your Bible program. So this is uh, this is an incredible thing. And the last verse I want to share with you in this uh, abbreviated discussion, we've touched on a lot of major themes that we've spent hours teaching about. So I would advise you, if you want more teaching on this, check out the archives, check out the Vimeo. There are books here that are available for you, or just dust off the one you already have. But look uh, look at uh, this last verse on the sheet. Well, actually, it's not the last verse. Acts 19.11 God wrought special dunamis by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons these are sweat rags or what he wore as he worked and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out from them this was special dunamis and these were just taken and, and people believed function happened wow This so, it's so simple like that woman that got on her hands and knees and pressed through the throng, that little emaciated woman. You don't think she was emaciated? Read the story again. Twelve years, she was bleeding. She lost all her living, was worse than she was at the beginning. She was obviously frail. You know, something God brought me through last year was a thing that's actually turned out for the good, but I bled a lot and I lost over forty pounds. Now I've rebounded some of that. Don't think I'm going to Dairy Queen or Brahms. Uh, it's just, you know, you get down to skin and bones, and you're gonna rebound just by eating. And I felt I felt weak. And that was just in a few months. You tacked eleven and a half more years onto this. This woman, I think anybody should agree, if you're thinking with a right mind that she was probably emaciated and finding where Jesus was was a task and then there was a throng of people who obviously were oblivious to what was going on around them. The only way she was going to reach through to the hem of his garment as they were walking was to go through the ankles and the knees to get to him. Maybe some people kicked her on the way or tripped over her. I don't know. But that's That's kind of a weird thing in the big scope of things, isn't it? Um, But restoration was brought to her, and it sure was explosive in her body. She was the only one that knew it besides Jesus. And here, people, I don't think Paul was sending out stone tablets to folks saying, send your best offering, I'll send you this. If you send this much, I'll send you a spit rag. If you send this much, I'll send you a, a sweat rag that I used all day. But if you, if you send this much, you'll gain the apron award, and I'll send that to you. Of course, that did not happen. That did not happen that way. Oh, it happens today in a lot of uh, ministries, but it didn't happen there. I think these people just took them. Or maybe Paul heard about something and said, I'm busy here making tents. I can't make that walk over there. Um, take this to them. And, and he released the touch of the Lord. And And if they believed, it set them free. Not only uh, diseases departing from them, but evil spirits went out. You know, there the, the Lord gave the 70... Power and authority, dunamis and Exusius sent them out to heal and to cast out devils. How does dunamis function cast out devils? How? How does... you, you First of all, authority and dunamis. Let's blow away the mist of this and all the fanciful uh, wives' tales. Well, the reason the enemy hates God is because of God's plan for you and me. Jesus said that Satan was a man killer from the beginning, a murderer, literally man killer. He wanted to destroy what God wanted to do, and through the Old Testament we find that over and over again: Adam and Eve, phew, let's destroy that. Noah and his his uh, his world. Well, we'll we'll let Noah be. Um, saved with his family, but then uh, when the flood, the generations of Noah, uh, they'll be building a Tower of Babel. I mean, this is craziness. But the enemy has always tried to destroy God's plan. So when you actually can uh, ignite the spirit within someone, And they begin to function good triumphs over evil. So Dunamis does that. Authority, what is that? Well, you have the authority to go. Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? That demon said to the sons of Sceva who did not have a directive or authority to go. But you're there in God's timing, in God's placement, and that individual is, or whoever's responsible for them, wants, them to be free. They submit themselves. So it's that combination, but the objective is to cause there to be function. Jesus warned about unclean spirits going out of a person and coming back to the place they think is theirs, and they don't see it clean, filled, and garnished, and they go and get seven more wicked. What does that mean? It's clean but it's not functioning. It's not functioning. So it's all about function which is why healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It's all about dunamis function. And so the 70 were given power and authority to bring healing, restoration and to ignite the purpose of that person and the enemy's driven out. Does that mean then? I mean I've been around for a while. I mean, I'm not oblivious to deliverance ministries. I've seen people, I remember one man, when I was just a little boy, there was a guy that in our Sunday night service, somebody brought him to church and he was demonized. And our pastor, somehow, this was in downtown Pittsburgh, if you can believe there actually was a church down there. Um, and went out and this guy was set free well that guy then he had to learn how to live right he had to learn how to function as a child of God and then grow into what God wanted him to be and my from my experience people that come out of darkness people who come who has forgiven much loves much people who come out who are freed from the demonic realm are more ready to believe the things of the spirit than people that just sit on the back pew and do nothing. Now we have people sit in the back pew and they're great people, but I'm speaking about those that are just conscientious observers. And um, but but there's a responsibility. You got to you got to clean fill, and then you got to function. So the dunamis there is is essential. Now, I would say the same thing. Let's forget about being demonized. Let's just talk about people that are born again. Don't you have to watch yourself that you don't fall back into sin? Don't you best find that if you're functioning as pursuing to be a son, to do some work for God, that you're less likely to go off the deep end. I've I've seen that. I've seen it in my own life. I see it. I've pastored for over 40 years and grew up in the church before that. Um, I see these things. So demonically possessed people, when they're free, they have a responsibility to function and they will grow in the lord but i will say that for the most part they're more ready to believe like in the book of revelation when those from the synagogue of satan come and they lay on their face and they say we want to come with you because we know god is with you in truth they they understand these things and um but but the dunamis function is is really what our objective is, and then spreading that dunamis into people and into places, and and I know that God uses His dunamis as a calling card. It's like it's almost like, forgive me for using this term, as an investment, as a tithe ahead into the teaching on dunamis and function. So. The last scripture that we really have time to look at on your sheet is a, is a very familiar one. Um, and it is from 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of dunamis and of love and of a sound mind. Boy, you could really use this verse over the past year. People seem to be afraid of everything. I'll never forget when the COVID crunch first happened and I went to a grocery store and people, people were so jumpy and antsy. I mean, they'd look at you like you were ready to shout unclean at every minute. Don't uh, that old sting song. Don't stand so close to me. Um, but we we've been given function and then we've been given love the agape of god the breathing hard after what he wants to do from his throne and self a, a disciplined thought process the best way to adapt a disciplined thought process is by applying the principles of god and recognizing that you are like the Blues Brothers. You're on a mission from God. Well, not like the Blues Brothers, but they were on a mission from God, they said. And I've never watched that movie, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, let's just eliminate that. They, you are called of God, you have a mission from him, and nothing is gonna separate you from that, if, unless you let it. So think that way. Think scripturally. Now, regardless of whether you think things are going the way they should or not, whether you can understand what God is doing or not. You know, God spoke to Job, who we talked about last week. And Job was continuing to walk in faith and his integrity. And God said to him, where were you to counsel me when I created all things? Listen, none of us are going to be promoted into the role of the counselor to God. Yes, we'll commiserate with Him. Yes, we will offer supplication. Yes, we will partner. But we're not giving Him advice. And sometimes when you see things happen, like this last year, where things seem to be turned upside down, we have to trust the fact that the function God has called us to the calling of the agape God has given us, and the principles He has taught us, and what He has prophesied that we know is a direct word from Him—that sound mind—that's what we have, and we should never give place to fear, to phobos. We should never, we should never fear what would come against us and we should never fear that somehow god has abandoned us we should never fear that somehow we've missed it or that god has that god has uh, bypassed us oh well, the enemy is so shrewd he hits every one of these things he even with what i said at the very beginning of this broadcast you you prophetically so forward into that preparation for something that is not as though it is, which is the heart of what Abraham had to do, and God calls that righteousness. Um, especially when it looks like you're you're abandoned. It looks like you are, um, you are, you're. you're In the natural, it doesn't look like much is happening, but in the spirit, you're preparing because you know what's coming. And it's hard to mobilize people to do anything with that. You know, the cares of this world come in and really mess with the harvest and the fruit is on the vine. How are the cares of this world messing with you? How are they piercing? You know, thorns in the Old Testament were largely people who stood against what God is uh, wanting to do through you. Uh, it, it, they're also equated with the Belial influence, which aligns up amazingly with the description of the Antichrist in the New Testament. How are thorns, other people, and other things affecting you? I want to be fruitful. I, you know, I I know you do too, but you better take a good hard look at what God has called. He's not changed his mind. You know, you've gone this far and now you're going to, he that puts his hand to the plow and turns back, God has no pleasure in that. Don't start plowing crossways across the furrowed fields that you have labored to prepare the grass and the harvest is greener on the other side. You get over there, you thought, you know, that's not my fruit. Look at all these tares. It sure was green from over here. You know, this past week, uh, we were ministering on uh, a broadcast to the Brazilian saints. And toward the end of the broadcast, the Spirit of the Lord just fell mightily and impressed himself, and you, we talked about it afterwards, both Yawali Garcia, our faithful brother, and Ana Muniz, the, one of the pastors there in Sao Paulo, she was translating, and we're talking about how good God is and how he was really moving in that instance. We're going to see God do demonstrations of his dunamis restoration power in many, many ways that are under the radar in a way that churches don't normally handle them, if they happen at all. Um, just people in the midst of a service or people who you meet or people that just reach out to the Lord, and suddenly an incredible miracle, a dunamis function comes. Those things are just going to begin to happen, and I'm glad for that. But it's to showcase what God is wanting to do through you, because the greatest miracle of all is when you say, God, I accept Jesus, and now. I want to function. Don't just end with accepting Jesus. That's the be- that is the necessary beginning point. But now I want to function at that right hand. I want to function there. That's the greatest miracle. And so many born-again believers, and again, I say this from a position of having been in the church all my life, so many believers don't Recognize that concept. And so they think that once they're born again, that's it. Or the second work of grace. They speak in tongues in a in a line, in a lineup, and that's great. And then every now and then they speak in tongues. Boy, oh boy. Oh my goodness. Do you think that's functioning? No, it really isn't. So Let's believe God for several things here as I close. The first is, God is letting you hear this broadcast right now. And I release his dunamis power into your life and into your family. May the function of the Holy Ghost revitalize you. And may restoration touch your body, your mind, your place spiritually before God, your family, your ministry. Be invigorated by the dunamis power of God. In whatever form that that the Spirit ordains to manifest that in you. I think in every one of us, we need to be going before the Lord and say, Father, am I functioning before you in the way you want me to be? And if not, I just want to be that. That's something that all of us should do. But the the demonstration of that in the natural, let God work that in your life. And then we need to begin expecting this to happen. And we need to be prepared for people who were touched in that way so that they're not just recipients but participants and that they will begin to grow in the manifestation and the functionality of dunamis so that's the explosiveness now why did we use that term dunamis to describe dynamite why did why did we say it's something dynamic because let's say um Um, you're one of the crews that is working in the late 1800s to build the Transcontinental Railroad and the surveyors have brought you to a mountain range and you think, i got to get through this mountain, I can't go over it i got to get through it. You don't have anybody there that can say to the mountain be removed, cast into the sea, we've got to burrow through this. There's only so much you can do with pickaxes. They didn't have jackhammers in those days. So they needed a functional route. And they needed something to empower their objective. So they put this blasting powder, this dynamite, and it exploded the obstacle to open up the pathway. Perhaps you, you can see how when Nobel... Created this, that um, he could he would say this is so dynamic. Look at look at what this is when it goes off. It affects everybody in the room. How can we use this? And it was used in munitions, which is why the the peace prize came because of the wealth of that uh, of that creation. But um, this is something that removes obstacles and it enhances function so I could see how they would borrow that word because it's to create function to eliminate things in a very dramatic way that stand in the gap of, against your agenda interesting so I speak the dunamis power of the Lord and I'm telling you let's be in prayer saints That God will apply his creative dunamis to the measures of preparation that we need. We don't want to stockpile and spend a lot of time and effort preparing for something that's just going to sit over here on the side and not be used. Let us be precise in what it is that we are supposed to be um, preparing for because this dunamis power is going to make a way and people are going to come and we've got to, we've got to put materials into their hands. We've got to put training into their hands so that they can be caught up quickly and put into the fields of service. That's, that's what's needed and that's what we're, we're preparing in prayer but we're also preparing to, um, to remind saints what it is that is so readily believed from the Scripture, and to inoculate, indoctrinate those that will be coming. But dunamis, dunamis is going to function in bringing them on board into alignment with what the Father has called them to be. But God is going to use special measures of Dunamis to get their attention and to cause them to know God is in this, which is exactly what he did through Jesus' ministry and through the disciples' ministry and what he wants to do through you with the Holy Ghost in power. And we're going to do good at the direction of the Father and we're going to heal all that are oppressed of the devil, all who uh, have fallen under the machinations of the enemy to hold their dunamis down or to use their capacity for an enemy objective, for an enemy function. A lot of that going around today. But we've been given power and authority over the devils, and they're all subject. We will, we're will. we given power, dunamis, over, over serpents and scorpions, and we'll tread over them. Uh, it's, it's a dunamis functionality, and that's what we've been living, but we're going to be living it in a broader and more Um, demonstrative way in the days to come. So we need to believe for that. We need to be ready for it. Boy. Thanks for joining us today. And I, I really believe in what we're saying here. And I bless you with it. May God bless you in every way. May you find that place in him and commune with him. And until next time we're together, let's keep walking, expecting the plan of God to be shown and known among and through us. God bless you. Goodbye.